You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the B&H app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan Weitz. Greetings and welcome to the B&H Photography Podcast. Olivia B. is an editorial fashion and commercial photographer. She's also a director who has worked for clients such as Atlantic Records, Interscope Records, Nike, L'Oreal, Sony, and many others. Just a few of her editorial clients include Vice, Elle, The New York Times, Complex Magazine, and Rookie Magazine. Her work has been exhibited internationally, and she published the book Kids in Love with Aperture in 2016. She currently works out of both New York and L.A., and we are speaking to her via Skype from Mount Vernon, Oregon. Welcome to the show, Olivia B. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. Hello. Pleasure to have you. We're all big fans of your work here. Uh, Let's jump right into it. John, you wanted to ask a question. I'll just start with what really struck me which is the image that's the front of your, your website. It's the, the image of the horses and the landscapes and, and what seems to be part of that same series. And I'm wondering if you could talk about that a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, the decisions that you've made using the grain, the color, um, the saturation. I mean, it's not completely different from your previous work, but uh, I'm just kind of curious as to the inspiration and, and why you decided to go there technically. Yeah, yeah no, it's great. It. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, well, I guess most people don't really know that I do have, um, I spend a lot of my time in the country and, um, this is before I started riding more seriously, but like I've done some work where I have to ride a horse. Um, and so they've always been really, I've just always been super attracted to them. And I guess when it comes to a photograph, technically I, I don't really think about it that much, to be honest. Like it's more of like a feeling and, you know, I was just capturing that and that's how it turned out. And I tweaked it a little bit, um, in post, but it's, it's more of just like a feeling like I'm not like setting out to like, okay, I'm going to use grain on this photograph and I need to find some wild horses. And, um, I think the color should be like this, you know, I just kind of like, I take the photo until it feels right. And then I do the post until it feels right. And then I, have a photograph I like. I just do it till I like it, to be mm-hmm. honest. And mm-hmm. yeah, if I capture that feeling, um, if I capture a feeling, then I feel like I've done my job and that feels like a good photograph to me. And and any thought on what that feeling is? I mean, is that something that, that you can put words into necessarily or uh, you just kind of leave that for the viewer? Um, that's why I take photographs. <laughs> so, <laughs> good an- good so answer. So I don't have to use <laughs> the like words. That. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair enough. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm a writer too, but that's separate, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Great, great, great. Good answer. Yeah. Something I, I want to ask before we go uh, any further. Um, are you shooting film or digital, or are you shooting digital and emulating film? Because it looks film. I mean, I, I, I'm, I started out in film, and I'm looking at your pictures, and it's like looking at Code of Color and all those color negative films that I remember from way back when. Are you doing that, or are you emulating it with film simulations on digital? I shoot, I shoot mostly film. You know, I have to shoot digital uh, for some types of jobs, Um, more on the commercial side and and there are personal projects where I do choose digital over film for other reasons like maybe it's a self-portrait and I really want to see what it looks like or um, the under low light it would just do better being digital you know but um, primarily my work is film 
Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the conversations you have with uh, art directors or editors when when you're thinking maybe film would be the way to go and, and they're asking otherwise? Or is it that conversation not quite happened that way? You know, there are clients that have really high demands and have a lot of people above them that need to see things right away. And, you know, that's just kind of how our world works right now for better or for worse Uh and how our industry is working. So, um, you know, to have a job, I need to, (laughs) I need to shoot digital a lot of the time. And sometimes it is the better tool for the project. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of my editorial clients and some commercial clients know that I shoot primarily film and usually I will show like a digital kind of like Polaroid Mm -hmm. situation just so people know, like, the general direction of what the shot will look like. And then the film is always like much better. So <laughs> you got to give them a pacifier. No, no, no. It's, and that's true. That, yeah. that, no, that, that's a really important thing. I mean, you got to give them something that they can walk away saying, okay, I think we're all right. Uh, digital, they can see it. Film, they're going away with trust. Um, one question I wanted to ask yeah. you is um, you started off obviously just doing just pure pure Olivia B photography. You had nobody putting restrictions, parameters on you. You were shooting from your soul, from your heart, and just from your personal aesthetics. And then you're discovered and you go shooting to the top. And obviously when people are paying a lot of money to have you take pictures, they have a say in things. Have you been able to maintain, or at least feel that you've been able to maintain this creative spirit that got you where you're going in the first place with all of this commercial pressure of clients and everybody having to make sure that their asses are covered essentially. I do most of the time feel like people really do hire me for me and I'm so lucky to be in a place of my career like that. But do they allow you to continue being yourself? (laughs) And they say we hire you because we like your art, but here's what we want you to do. And it may not, it could clash with your personal aesthetic or your work approach. I'm just kind of curious if if you've been able to manage that well, if you ever had to like bang your head against the wall a little bit saying, you're hiring me for being me, but you're not allowing me to be me. And maybe you have, I mean, of course, like, (laughs) of course that happens, that happens often, but I think the part of the reason why I've been able to keep going and the reason why I still get hired and, and the reason like I still love this is that even if that happens, I still have to make a picture for me at the end of the day Cool. or I'm going to be really unhappy. Okay. Of course there are, you know, there are jobs that you just have to get done and that's, that's what it is. But yeah, I'm in a place where I don't really have to take those jobs very often. I take jobs I want to do. Um, and I don't know, I'm not like a normal, like, I don't know, I'm not like a typical lifestyle photographer. So I feel like if you hire me, you kind of, it's just not going to be the exact normal workflow. Not to say I'm like, have a special workflow, but it's like my work is different. If you're buying me, if you're you're hiring me, you're hiring my package. This is what I do. Okay. That's it. That's good. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like a relationship. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I gather that you seem to be maintaining your personal integrity in your work. It shows because you do have a unique style and, and it's been showing up throughout all of your work. Um, but I, again, I was just curious to know how much headbanging you had to do along the way to maintain it. You answered it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I just didn't do a lot of headbanging. I, and I think part of that is probably because I started working so young. Like I worked when I was 15 so I'm like, well, I don't know how to do this, how anybody else would do it. So I'm just going to do it 
how I do it. When I was 15, I was delivering fruit orders for this uh, fruit store downstairs for me. <laughs> they, they, they kind of still hire you. I now, mean, it's different. <laughs> I still, that's a gig on but, the side. They, they liked what I did. They liked my style. So they still hire me from time to time. But <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but hey, I don't know. When I, when I was like 20, 24, I, I was like, gosh, I've never had another job besides photography and babysitting. Like I need to figure this out. So I went and did, I did some, I did some odd jobs cause I felt like such a, I don't know. I was like, I'm so privileged and I, I feel like I accept people in the service industry and I like really try to respect everybody, but I, um, I don't know. I feel like I needed a little bit of a reality check. Like do? I was doing a lot of commercial work and feeling burnt out. Yeah. Um, I went out and moved cows. Oh, well. Okay. That's what I do. Yeah. And in, in your upbringing in Portland, was it, did you have any kind of touch with nature or with uh, rural communities that time or not really? A lot of nature. I wouldn't yeah. say as much rural communities, but yeah. like we went to the mountain a lot mm-hmm. um, and to the beach. I mean, there's just so much nature in Portland. Like you kind of can't, yeah. you couldn't avoid it if you tried it, I don't think. <laughs> when it is something that you're considering a personal series compared to a, a commercial job how does your workflow differ and and i'm thinking more even like in the in the amount that you shoot and post process and and your edit do you kind of get down to one or two images to pass on or how's that work for you um i think yeah in my when in my personal work usually like i know when the shot is there and i'm like that's the shot i want that's the shot that tells the story like there Mm -hmm. will not be two there's just Mm -hmm. this one and it's this um in my personal work i shoot a lot of eight by ten these days so um yeah, you're limited in you how know, many you can shoot. shoot yeah. You shoot, you shoot six. Yeah. There's one, um, which is different than shooting like whatever, 5,000 pictures a day on a digital job if right. you're shooting a lot of setups. Mm. I do think that it takes longer. Like, even though I'm able to find that place of still finding a picture that makes me happy, I do think it takes longer in a commercial context just because, because of what you were talking about, because there are so many voices. It's not like, immediately I'm always like, well, this is the picture I want to make, you know, and I'm going to just make that, you know, there's a lot of other voices and there's money involved and, you know, there's a hundred people on set. So it takes longer. I feel like to get to that place of like taking the photo, Mm -hmm. but I've gotten better as I get older to like kind of cut away the initial bullshit. But of course, like I deliver a lot of pictures because that's my job. (laughs) But in editorial context, I feel like, you can be like, no, this is the one. And so I, I try to exercise that as much as possible. But like, I know that it's not always reasonable mm-hmm. to like mm-hmm. give you one picture. <laughs> Jason, you had something. Yeah, to- I, Olivia is editorial kind of a sweet spot. Do you think um, in terms of, you know, versus, you know, commercial jobs for companies, because a lot of the, the music stuff that you do, like for billboard, you know, I noticed the, uh, the Migos shoot you did where you had them on like in a totally unfamiliar light with you know on three horses and stuff it seemed like you had a lot of control there is, is that accurate yeah yeah i think i mean editorial is more open because you're more telling a story rather than um showing a product but i mean i think editorial is getting more and more commercial and but there's somehow less and less money so it's it's still kind of you know everything's kind of skewing commercial in general but i do think that editorial is a really great place to make art sometimes with real, with talent you might not have access to. Like that's how I look at editorial. It's like, Oh my gosh, I definitely want to shoot 
Migos and you know, Migos is probably not going to call me and ask me to shoot them for a personal project and then say, I own the pictures, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, and yeah, working the magazines I work for are wonderful. So I'm really lucky for those editorial outlets. Cause yeah, it's, it's about making a story and making art. And do those jobs come to you kind of through random sources an editor that like your work gives you a call or do you, do they always kind of channel through, uh, the people that your agencies or the people you work with editorial? I mean, um, I think it's both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my, my agent Caroline is a big help because she knows so much about editorial, but then I also have magazines I've shot for, for a long time mm-hmm. or people hear about me. Yeah. I think it's all different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to keep on the music thing for a second, if you guys don't mind, but I wanted to ask, do you, have you sought out musicians that you really like and, uh, to, to try to shoot with them and, and what is the dynamic specifically when you're working with musicians and, and even maybe talk a little bit about the difference between a editorial shoot and, uh, what would be a record cover shoot, things like that. Yeah. I have a list of people that I really want to shoot with mm-hmm. that I will pitch to editorial clients or just kind of like keep in my head because I think when you have these intentions in your head or like at the forefront of your stuff, then they actually happen Mm -hmm. because then you're like subconsciously giving them subtle energy and (laughs) it happens. Yeah. Will Um, it to be. So yeah, exactly. So I have those lists. um, You want to mention anybody? Working. um, Well, I am hard wanting Justin Bieber, so bad. <laughs> I want to shoot him so bad, like for years. But I have a really great idea, and he I've listens been, to like, the show. So you know, here's here's your good chance. We'll right drop here. we'll drop a quote. We'll, 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 we'll get you. In. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great, so yeah. really, really trying for Biebs. He's number one right now. <laughs> and have you already envisioned the type of shot it would be, and and where it would be, and stuff like that? Oh yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I know the whole thing. That's great. Yeah, See, I, I love that because that really is. That would be. I mean, your aesthetic would be a complete departure from what you're used to seeing from Justin Bieber. So I, I think that would be really interesting. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I think people people expect it when it comes to like indie musicians or like pop women, but mm-hmm. when it's applied to. Um, men in pop or hip hop, I think it's something really interesting. So I would like to do more of that. You said, you know, you, you often called to do uh, a, a female songwriter, female singer or indie band. Do you kind of strain for new ways to present them or has that been an issue yet in terms of, you know, okay, here we are with a similar type of musician. How can I juggle the, uh, the aesthetic? Um, I mean, I think every musician is different, just like every person is different. Like mm-hmm. it is whatever, there is a very big, like music machine that's happening. But if you get down and talk to the person, yeah, like you, it's about the person to me. It's yeah. not, it's not always about like her hit song. Right. It's, I mean, obviously it is, but it's all about like, what are you into? How, what makes you feel good? Mm-hmm. Like what I like look on people's Instagrams and try to see the kinds of things that they've been posting and sharing with people and like try to have a conversation mm-hmm. with them prior. I don't always get to, but uh, about, just what yes just what they're into and how we can make a photo shoot a reflection of like what's happening that's in an editorial sense obviously like in a or editorial context obviously in a like a record album an album cover context or a press photo context like that's very different there are a lot of conversations about what the intention of the record is like what kind of colors are inspirational can you send me the songs what are the lyrics how do we make a visual representation 
of um, these sounds that you've worked so hard on for the last, you know, whatever, one, two years. Um, yeah. And it's really fun because it's with another artist, you know, and it's kind of like, like it's different when you're shooting like an actress or you're shooting like models, obviously those are two different things, but it's more about like, you have to create something like I do, which, which is really fun. And obviously a great actress and a great model will bring something and can, um, make it way better. But I do think shooting a musician, it's, it's, you're, you're having to tap into a world that already exists, mm -hmm. which I really like because I love documentary photography, but making a fantasy from that um, documentation, which is like my favorite um, place to be in the middle. Well, great answer. Question I have uh, for you is you started off doing stills and now you've graduated into doing videos, which is a whole different realm. First of all, you know, when, you know, stills, we said earlier on, you could work by yourself. Video, there's no way you're working by yourself, especially in, in a larger production. Have you, did you find it a harder challenge or was it an easy transition going from a still image that tells a story to moving images that tell a longer story? Uh, how, did, how did you find that transition? And do you enjoy video more than stills? Um, I'd say it was, it's a really hard transition. Like there's nothing easy about it besides knowing what looks good. Like, but it's completely, it's different because it's like photo times a thousand. Yeah. Like you're, <laughs> yeah. you're having, yeah. like you can't just have one moment where there's like a moment of truth. You know, it has to be like at least 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's completely different. And then, directing i just did my first like narrative thing that maybe will never come out but whatever um like last year and yeah directing dialogue was a whole nother thing it's just completely different like people i feel like sometimes people ask for it like it's the same thing like you know there's this whole graduation of like photographers now have to be directors right. and right 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 it's not the same thing at all it's a completely different skill set and you have to work with a lot of different people i think definitely a few years ago was really struggling with like, how do I um, even just like talk about my creative ideas in words with like a group of 50 people. Like that's really vulnerable yeah. and really scary. Cause you're worried about like sounding stupid and, or at least I was worried about sounding stupid. Well, everybody, that's totally no, that, that's normal. Yeah. Plus, you have yeah. that many more, you have that many more people who are going to want to get their influence in on what's your job, essentially, too. Yeah. So you, ha yeah, you have to be that much stronger, I think, in video. I know when I went to SVA, my first year there was a continuation of photography, and for the second year, I took I went to film and I went back to stills because I was just overwhelmed by it. it was just too many people to answer to. It was too complex. Like you were saying, it's just overwhelming. Yeah, you have to be really, you have to be really strong in your intention. And it's kind of this thing where like you, even if you're feeling insecure, you kind of have to like, just find that like strength in the depth of wherever it is so that everyone else feels secure. Like, I feel like that's kind of what I'm going through with my dog right now. It's like, really, like I have to find within myself like when i really feel like a leader yeah. and you have to do that in video even more than photo. i think you could say the same thing about photo but you have to do it even more with video and i'm definitely like i that's where i want to grow i'm about to direct um a short that i wrote and it's narrative and there's dialogue um but i think it's better than my first but i don't know i'm just very mm -hmm. excited to keep doing that that's and great. it's kind of like when you stop asking permission i think that <laughs> yeah it 
becomes what you want. <laughs> do, you, are you, are, do you work with a DP or are you actually working the camera and creating all the movements? What's the dynamic when you're doing video? I've done both. Um, I, the Maggie Rogers video, um, I shot myself, which was really a great learning experience. And I feel like it, it, it has helped me like communicate better with DPs that I will work with down the line when it comes to like a big, like camera that's extremely heavy i mean i could figure it out but i don't have that skill set like the camera we used was very small and like easy to figure out and i i know how i want a camera to move so sometimes it is easier but i don't have the technical skills to like know how to set up a dolly or ask someone to do i don't have that i would like to learn it but i think right now i want to focus on um the direction part so i'm glad i have that but yeah more directing gotcha And uh, how hard has it been? And you mentioned it, but to kind of translate the image and the ideas in your head to to a group of people, have you figured out some some kind of I don't want to say tricks, but techniques along the way to do that, or is it still you just need the right set of ears, the right person to have that feedback with? I think a lot of it is having the right team mm-hmm. and knowing that it's not only that person's work; it's also that person's personality and like how you mesh with that person. Because on set, I'm pretty like. I, I can be like bouncy when I, if I'm shooting kids or something, like yeah. I can bring that out. You know, I was a babysitter once. <laughs> like I can bring that out. But the, like, the first notch I'm on the resume. Usually yeah. <laughs> kind of contemplative and like quieter mm-hmm. on set. And I, I, if there's like a DP that's like super loud and like can't get into that energy, like that's never going to work, even yeah. if their work's amazing. Right. You know, it's right. like about picking the right personalities right. for your shoot, I think, as well. Um, but I do think it's also just having a really clear vision in your head. And if there's not a clear vision of like a moment or something like talking about that and being like, Hey, you're the DP. Like what kind of ideas, like I can hand that off to you. Like what kind of ideas could you make? This is the moment I want. How can you make it look the most powerful that it can look like? That's the beauty, beauty of film is like, you can hand it off to other people who are, it's like having a bunch of sets of hands mm-hmm. that are better mm-hmm. than your hands at the job. An uh, editor at the New York Times who we interviewed once was saying, and who used to be a photographer, and someone asked her, well, you know, don't you miss being out there shooting? And she said, you know what it is? I feel like when a story is sent to me now, instead of having just my own set of eyes, I have 10 different set of eyes to choose from that will be right for that story. You know? right, and I, right, don't, right. I, don't, I don't miss creativity one bit, you know? And I thought that was a great point. Um, I did want to ask though, you know, with, you know, with doing bigger shoots and and commercial jobs, um, do you miss, or do you still have time to kind of just get out maybe in the countryside or wherever to do kind of a a smaller, intimate, personal project, maybe something you'll never even show to anybody. Is that, uh, is that something you have time for at all or think about as maybe an antidote to the other stuff? My survival depends on that. So I better do it. I like like your answer. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not a photographer and an artist because it's like fun. <laughs> like I do this because it's like what I but are you happy what to, I depend on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but are you cleared to know kind of which you know that okay, I'm never gonna show this to anybody, or if I do, it'll be ten years from now. I'm just doing it to, you know, to express my soul a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I've I think I've gotten um more comfortable with that in the last few years, like shooting something and it not going anywhere. Like I have this project that it's like a 60 image series of self portraits and it's an amazing story. And I spent like two years on it, but it's not out. I tried to get it. Like it was going to be a book. And then, um, 
I nobody would publish it. Mm-hmm. And not to say that's why it's not coming out, but it kind of it was like, oh, I think this is part of something larger and I need to save this. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's OK. And, you know, it's not about how it comes out to me. Like it's about making a great photograph. And it's hard because our industry is so dependent on really instant gratification and Instagram. If you put something on Instagram, then it's gone, you know? So like, I kind of don't put my best stuff on Instagram if it's personal work. Um, Cause I'm like, I just don't want this to be gone. Like I'm going to save this for something else. Um, so that, that's hard. And, and it's hard because like you want to be putting stuff up and like to be relevant yeah, sure. and yeah. for people. Yeah. Cause you have to like part of my job, I have to post online like, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Um, but to like save that stuff, um, takes a lot of like willpower and I think just foresight to be like, no, this is part of something bigger. I just um, post John's pictures yeah. on my Instagram page and keep my stuff for myself. <laughs> that's the best. That's perfect. <laughs> no credit or nothing. Okay. We're going to take a short break and we come back more with Olivia B. Stay tuned. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the B&H Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For links to gear and more information on today's guests, check out the show notes in your podcast app or visit our homepage on the B&H Explorer website and join the B&H Photography Podcast Facebook group. And now, back to the show. Okay, we are back. John, you wanted to ask about the book. Well, Olivia published a book with Aperture in 2016, I believe it came out, uh, called Kids in Love. And we want to talk a little bit about how Aperture came to you or how that worked out, uh, a bit about um, your relationship with the editor and how that worked. And my question, though, kind of has to do with maybe the concept, which because you had two series in one. And uh, can you talk about that decision to go forward in that style? Yeah. Um, well, I was selling a print with Aperture, um, probably in like 2014, something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I had a contact and I always said like, when I was done with this, like youthful running around, like, what am I doing work? (laughs) I would get it published as a book. And my first or second year living in New York city, I was like, I feel like I took a photo of my boyfriend at the time and I was like, Oh that's like the last photo that's going to be part of that book. Like it's done. Like, I feel like I just kind of come to conclusions like that and it's not really like something I think about, but it's like, Oh yeah, this is done. Like, but did you really see, cool. think that after you took it almost immediately afterwards or when I saw the film, when I saw the film, when you saw it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I feel like I had a feeling after I took it, but probably, but solidified when I saw the film. Sure. Um, we warned so, you about him, by the way, you didn't listen. <laughs> yeah so, so, so did everybody so yeah so did everybody um so then i felt like this like body of work that i had kind of made about I, I made it about my youth but not about like youth it was like what i was going through and i was young and mm-hmm. running around being stupid and here are the pictures i had from it mm-hmm. um and so i wanted to get that published as a book so i had this contact with aperture and i reached out and got a meeting with them. Um, and it was really exciting. Like they were super interested, but, um, Leslie Martin who worked a lot on the book was like, you know, we love this, but what do you think about, um, including some of this other work? And she showed me 
a bunch of images that I had taken when I was even younger. And I was like, uh, like my, I don't know. I feel like my first reaction a lot of the time is like, no, I'm right. Like, no, you gotta do what I want. And I was like, wait, you're, you're, um, the publisher for, for a reason and you're extremely smart and have been very supportive. And I think you're right. So, but I decided like, I didn't feel like the two chapters really, um, cause it's from two different parts of my life, a few years apart. And I guess there's a little bit of overlap, but they feel like very different bodies of right. work to me. Yeah. I didn't feel like they could be interspersed. Like that didn't make sense. Like enveloped in a dream, the first chapter in the earlier work is so much about like all these self portraits I made with my best friend when I was like 14 mm-hmm. and, um, the second chapter and, and about just like finding your inner world and, ex- and expressing that. And then the second chapter is about like that bringing that inner world to the outer world and like doing things for the first time, like having sex or doing drugs or staying up all night or, you know, mm-hmm. doing all the stupid cliche teenager things that most, most people do. Um, and, and bringing that inside world to the outside world. So then they were two very separate bodies of work. So that's why I put them. In Did chapters. it take you a while to, um, kind of come to agree with her or I needed to think about it, but then it felt organic. And I was like, you know what? You're, you're totally right. Like, I don't want to intersperse them, but it feels like these, yeah, these two make sense. Cause I was like, well, I'll make another book of that. And it's like, why aperture is offering to publish both bodies of work. So why would you, what, you it's just, you, don't be dumb, Olivia. <laughs> don't be dumb. You have don't a very good inner voice, by dumb. the way, yeah. smart inner voice. <laughs> cool. Um, Jason, you wanted to ask about the the Viva Las Vegas series, so maybe we can jump to that question now, real quick. Yeah. So you have done character studies that, where you're the main subject. How do those kind of contrast with your work where you're not the subject, like some of Kids in Love, anyway? The character studies were kind of a returning to that kind of work that I felt like I had kind of um, not abandoned, but had just become quieter um, when I moved to New York, and I I was going to Palm Springs and. My friend, who's a really amazing stylist and has this magazine um, called Lady Susan Wingett, she and I had met and she lived in the Chelsea Hotel and it was like very historical and cool. And I just, I don't know, she, she kind of like took me under her wing with that and sent me some clothes and was like, I think these should be on you. And I was Hmm. like, oh, I haven't done that in a long time. Not for Viva Las Vegas, it was for a a series called, oh, what, oh my God, what did I call it? (laughs) Uh, oh, the brink of devotion, the brink of devotion. Um, and she sent me these clothes and I was like, Oh, I forgot about like photographing myself. And it was kind of just like a returning to something that I had already known. Um, and it felt so good. And I was like, thank you so much for, um, encouraging this in me. And so then I went and did Viva Las Vegas. Like, I think it was the same year or maybe, maybe the year after. Um, and yeah, writing a story about something that had happened to me in my real life, but, but giving it a a pop cultural narrative, um, with these characters that I don't know a lot about, but wanted to, um, but found something of myself inside, you know, um, and then took, took pictures of it. That's a pretty bizarre series. That's probably my favorite series on your website. Can you talk a bit about the, a little bit more about the concept and the planning and the background of that series? Yeah. Um, well, it was about a breakup. <laughs> uh, I, when I was like a late teens was in love with this man who I felt like I loved him so much. I hated him and like wanted to be him and was like jealous of him. And you know, like all the shitty stuff that comes up when you fall in love, when you're probably not ready to like 
do that in a mature way when you're young, you know? Um, and so it was about that. You mentioned with, with the designer that sent you the clothes and you work with, um, this idea of taking under your wing. Is that something that you've thought about a lot in the, in the sense that maybe it would have been, you would have liked to have had someone to, to mentor you or to, well, I had an agent when I was very young, when I, mm-hmm. when I was 15, I already had an agent. Right. So, um, Candace Gelman, and she was a huge mentor for me in the business side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, you know, I'm happy with how everything turned out. I think a lot of, a lot of people who are older were not necessarily like a mentor. Well, maybe, I don't know. I had a lot of mentors. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people, even people I met for just a second, like, like I remember when I met Ryan McGinley in the airport and he said some like very kind Mm-hmm. words when i was like 18 or 17 or something like that That's like cool. i met him on a plane and he was just i don't know I, I feel like i've been really blessed to have a lot of really positive um interactions with people who have been older than me or who i've admired so i never had like one person i like went to mm-hmm. but what about influences currently or or a while ago i guess uh, when you were starting uh that's a good place to start when I was starting, it was like all Annie Leibovitz's work of like the Rolling Stones and Ryan McGinley's work, um, his early stuff like Moon Milk mm-hmm. um, and the book before that. Yeah, just experience like seeing. I think Ryan Ryan was so cool to me because it was like a mix between a fantastical photograph and documentary. Like they were moments, but they were moments in a magical world, and I loved that. And Annie Leibovitz was captured her documentary stuff, she just captured life so beautifully in these really special moments. And I, yeah, those were my two biggest influences growing up. Cool. And what about now? God, it's so hard. Um, now I feel like I'm really in, like I am inspired by photographers obviously, but really inspired by, um, movies and music and painting and, Honest life. <laughs> <laughs> Landscapes, wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always kind of curious about how people arrange self-portraiture and, and kind of the tools they use um, and the evolution of that. Is there, have you found, you know, ways that work in terms of just even support for the cameras and remotes and things like that? How do you tend to do that? And how's that changed over the years? Um, well, I usually, I'm, I have a tripod yeah. um, and it depends on the camera. Mm. Like sometimes I will have, if the camera doesn't have a self-timer I'll have an assistant or a friend or a boyfriend to be mm-hmm. with me. Okay. My boyfriend is very supportive with yeah, that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and usually I'll like keep a mirror like near the, near the tripod so I can kind of see what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, or I have a timer. Okay. Um, and while you mentioned the, the cameras that you're using, have you, has it been kind of a continue, continuous evolution? Do you use whatever works well for that job? And I know you've gone from film to digital back and forth and eight by 10, but do you have kind of go-tos for certain types of job? Um, yeah, I, I have my kit. Like, I feel like I used to mess around with a lot of different cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm kind of like, well, these are the ones that work for me, but I mean, I love, I love shooting my eight by 10 the most. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. Do you scan the, the images after you after they're developed and and work with them in Photoshop or or is it pretty much? Um, I get them. I get them scanned. Yeah. Gotcha. And then I, I I do a little bit of color, but not not too much. Not too much. Alan, I don't know if you have any other last questions. Uh, it's funny. I I don't have a question, but I have kind of a comment on it, and it's kind of funny and delightful to hear somebody who's twenty five years old looking back on her career. Um, 
<laughs> it looks 10 years. It's, yeah. 10 God years. bless you. No, I really think that that's an amazing you. thing. Your your trajectory has not been normal at all. Like you said, you went from no, babysitting to shooting international ads. It's kind of funny. Uh, but you pulled it off and you did it. <laughs> you did it successfully. Um, and that's and now I live like a grandma in the country with my boyfriend and our dogs. <laughs> hey, you know what? At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Yeah, from high school yeah. to retirement all in 10 years. Well that's done. That's fabulous. You should write a book. You should go on the lecture tours. Just, um, <laughs> from high school to retirement. It's a whole new career. Um, <laughs> Quick question. Why'd you move from Brooklyn back out to the West Coast? Um, I just was sick of paying so much money for a life I didn't really want and wanted, I wanted to work more in music. Um, and that's why I moved to LA originally. And then I was sick of being around a lot of people who wanted to be famous and just, and just felt like it was changing me a little bit when I was living in LA and I wanted to buy a house. And so I moved to Portland. And then when I was in Portland, I was like, I really just want to be in the country. So I moved to Mount Vernon. <laughs> See, I, mo- I, I, I moved, I grew up in Brooklyn, but I moved from Brooklyn because I wanted a parking spot. Yeah. So dude, yeah. <laughs> I got one well, right I in front just, of my house now. <laughs> this is not I don't know. I love New York. Like I love New York so much. I love going there, but I was just like, the um, I don't know. I, I was just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm like ordering takeout every day. Like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And now I live on 40 acres. <laughs> this is wonderful. Wow. Yeah, but do you have 24-hour Chinese takeout near you? Of course I don't. I have to cook every <laughs> But you know what? When I'm on a job on somebody else's dime, I do have 24-hour right. takeout. It. There you go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is half the time anyway. So. I got one last question for you because, again, you, you, we just, you, you've got a charmed life and a career so far. At least, you know, we, it comes off, okay? Um, what's your dream assignment right now? What have you not done? And what, what right now would you love to do? What kind of phone call would you like to get for a job? Told you, Justin Bieber, man. (laughs) (laughs) Shoot for the stars. Yeah, yeah, Justin Bieber, and I mean, working on my own. I just working on my own stuff is the best, you know. (laughs) That's where I find my joy. Yeah, Olivia. If people want to catch up with uh, more of your work, see what you're doing. uh, Websites, Instagram. What are the addresses? Exhibits um, and exhibits. Yeah, exhibits yeah. probably. Oh yeah, I don't have any current exhibits. I was just at Paris Photo, but I don't have anything coming up that I'm allowed to talk about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just at at Olivia B is my Instagram, and I I post there a lot. Cool. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic talking to you. Thank you very much. Okay, that's our show. Now it's time to go. Are you not a regular subscriber to our podcast? All you have to do is head on over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, or Spotify and sign up. It's a freebie. It won't cost you a dime. And you can always find this on the BNH Explorer website as well as the BNH Photography Podcast Facebook group. My name is Alan Weitz. Some things never change. And on behalf of John Harrison, Jason Tables, thank you so much for tuning in today.